Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, President of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And good afternoon and welcome to this edition of News in Focus. We're glad that you've joined us. Well, today is the 75th anniversary of the battle to take the island Iwo Jima in the Pacific during World War II. Three Marine divisions were attempting to take that island on this date 75 years ago. Let's go to a recording of a radio report at the time of the battle. There's a Sergeant Dick Morrison, United States Marine Corps combat radio correspondent with a veteran 4th Division. Sergeant Harvey Williams, our control recording engineer, and I are speaking to you now from the Motoyama Airport Number 1 on the island of Iwo Jima, the Sulphur Island, after the 4th and 5th Divisions of the United States Marines landed to arrest this island from the Japanese and give Uncle Sam another base only 660 miles from the Japanese mainland itself. The fighting is going on now on a ridge just in front of us. You can probably hear the noise of the shelling in the planes overhead as they drop their bombs, and every once in a while you'll hear them scrape and send rockets down. As we look over on this ridge, the uh, Marines have uh, paths cut up the side of it to the top where the Japs have entrenched. You can probably hear the sound of that rocket barrage went off just then, over on the ridge. And there's a scene of uh, violent activity there as these Marines are going up and down that ridge, carrying supplies up to the men in the front lines and bringing casualties back out. And there are casualties, too. There are plenty of them. And that is the report, as it was 75 years ago, the radio report of the taking of the island Iwo Jima in the Pacific, with just seven months left in the war, as on August that year, uh, the bombs were dropped in uh, mainland Japan, ending World War II. The taking of that island was three Marine divisions. 6,800 men were killed, and there was 20,000 casualties. On the Japanese side, there was 20,000 Japanese killed uh, during the battle. But it took what the commanders thought would just be a few days campaign or maybe a week. It ended to drag out onto six weeks as the Japanese forces were deeply entrenched within the volcanic uh, islands, rock, and caverns, and caves. And so our uh, appreciation and honor to those memory of those soldiers and sailors who fought in the Battle of Iwo Jima 75 years ago today. In an upcoming program, we're going to have some of the remaining World War II veterans that are with us who fought in both the Pacific and the Atlantic here on News and Focus. And these are some of our heroes from Northeast Ohio, and we're going to introduce them to you in coming programs. And I think it will be a real blessing to you. Well, we want to turn a corner right now and talk to you about uh, the ongoing situation at uh, here in the state of Ohio pertaining to the lawsuit that the Ohio Christian Alliance filed at the state Supreme Court. I want to read to you a release that we put out just this week. I stated in a release, this is the most important voting rights case we have seen in years. The right of the people's voice to be heard at the ballot box is one of the most important rights we have in this representative republic. Voters' rights are being denied in Medina County on this referendum petition case, posing a serious challenge to the people's right to access the ballot by way of referendum or charter amendment if citizens' voters are provided conclusive evidence of the validity of their signatures along with proof 
of their identity or and denied even a hearing for the review of an appeal, then we have a serious problem with Ohio's elections. If local politicals simply don't like the issue and can, by trickery and graft, find ways to invalidate petitions, then we no longer can say that the referendum petition is viable in the state of Ohio. Much hangs in the balance in this case. We have gone to the state Supreme Court to seek justice and fair access to the ballot. Many people are anticipating the outcome of this case. And, of course, we're referring to the voting rights case that we filed at the state Supreme Court back on February 3rd. We're still waiting to hear from the county officials to respond to the court's uh, you know, requirement for them to respond to the case, uh, and that is pending. Go on reading. There are numerous elements to this case for which we need to be prepared as an organization. That means the Ohio Christian Alliance. There is much at stake with this case concerning the voting rights of the people of faith in the state of Ohio. We have been battling this issue for the last seven months in the city of Medina and with county officials and now have to take it to matter to the state Supreme Court to seek resolution. And of course, as many of you know, that is the referendum effort in the city of Medina that was circulated by the citizens last July in response to what city council members had passed, what was called an LGBTQ special rights ordinance. And this is a policing ordinance with fines uh, if those who violate uh, the tenants within the policy. And the, the folks in the community spoke out at public hearings and asked the council to wait, that there were concerns about this comprehensive ordinance that they were passing. The council would hear no, nothing of it. So the folks decided to circulate a referendum petition. They then turned it over to the Board of Elections. The Board of Elections said that they were short by 44 signatures, but 59 of the signatures were invalidated by registered voters in the city of Medina who the board said their signatures didn't match. Therefore, under advisement of our attorneys, we secured 47 sworn affidavits from voters in the city of Medina whose signatures had been invalidated for that reason, meaning non-matching signature. The board then would not even hold a hearing on review of the evidence provided. So that was really unprecedented because other boards of elections across the state on other matters would have at least granted a hearing to the committee. The Medina County Board of Elections did not, after advisement by their attorneys, which is the county prosecutor uh, in his office, advised them to take no action. Well, they're going to have to respond now to the state Supreme Court because the people have filed a lawsuit uh, to seek resolution. So we'll keep you updated on that. That information also is available at our website at ohioca.org. That's the Ohio Christian Alliance. Well, when we talk about this issue of LGBTQ rights or SOGI legislation, which means sexual orientation, gender identity, there's a bill currently at the Ohio State House, two actually, one in the House, one in the Senate, uh, that's pushing these kind of laws so that uh, it would be statewide. There wouldn't be any religious exemptions. Your church would be subject to men who think that they're women going into the women's restroom. We're fighting for the privacy rights of women and children and also, uh, you know, for religious liberty issues as well in this whole battle. So we kind of need your help on this, and you could follow us at our website at ohioca.org. Now I want to take you to another story. Franklin Graham, of course, the son of Billy Graham, 
is conducting, like his father did, a number of evangelistic crusades in Great Britain uh, this month. And in fact, there were seven venues where he was going to be speaking. But radicals in that community, in that country, if from the LGBTQ community, the radical homosexual community, began to protest and actually levy uh, those arenas to not allow those meetings to take place. Why? Because they said that Franklin Graham preaches a message of hate. And what's the message he's preaching? He's preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's preaching from the Bible. We do believe in the Bible that homosexuality is a sin. Like other sins of adultery or fornication or drunkenness, sins need to be repented of, and people need to come to faith in Christ. There's no hate message in there. It's actually a love message of God's forgiveness. That's what Franklin Graham said, and he actually appealed uh, to uh, those arenas so that they would hold the meetings. Well, Parliament weighed in, and let's go to an audio clip right now from the Parliament in Great Britain talking about religious liberty issues. Uh, The Prime Minister in his Christmas message said, We stand with Christians everywhere in solidarity and will defend your right to practice your faith. Plainly, that was meant to include the UK. So can we have a statement as to whether we can really call ourselves a tolerant, inclusive and diverse society which respects freedom of speech, whatever one's religion or beliefs, if we deny the Billy Graham Association a platform in this country. Uh, Mr Speaker, no platforming is a particularly disagreeable uh, modern trend. Um, And although venues are allowed to take their own decisions about whether or not to host Franklin Graham during his upcoming visit, like all service providers, they must be careful not to discriminate unlawfully on grounds of religion and belief. The UK has robust protections for freedom of speech and freedom of religion, and the price of living in a free, plural society is tolerating views and beliefs we disagree with or are even offended by. And this is fundamentally important. It is a sad truth that many people who tout themselves as being liberal are only liberal about what they like and are very intolerant of the views they disagree with. That are some of the voices on the floor of Parliament uh, addressing the issue that They couldn't believe that Franklin Graham and his message of love through Jesus Christ and preaching the gospel was actually being opposed by uh, sex within Great Britain and trying to have him boycotted from uh, delivering that message at these arenas and venues around Great Britain as the evangelistic, Billy Graham evangelistic uh, uh, team was working with a great evangelistic campaign in Great Britain. So we ask you to pray. Pray for these evangelistic meetings that Franklin Graham is holding in in the United Kingdom. Uh, The current generation must wake up to the fact that the land of the Magna Carta provides for religious freedom as a fundamental right of man. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back on the other side with some more news, this time from Finland and a legislator there which is facing criminal charges, possible criminal charges, simply by quoting the Bible from Romans chapter 1. Don't go away, we'll be right back. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. 
and the soldiers who stormed the beaches of Normandy and the Allied liberation of Europe. On D-Day, all those warriors set out on their mission. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt led our nation in prayer. The D-Day Prayer Project is an effort to add FDR's D-Day Prayer in its entirety at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. This wonderful historical presidential prayer will be a lasting tribute to our World War II veterans. If you'd like to make a contribution towards the effort of adding this prayer to the memorial, go to the website at ddayprayerproject.org. That's ddayprayerproject.org. Well, we want to bring you this other story that's coming out of Finland, and the title of it is, Is Finland About to Make Christianity Illegal? Christian lawmaker facing fines in prison. This is from Helsinki, and we're going to go to a CBN report right now about this situation in Finland. Almost 70% of Finns are members of the National Lutheran Church, but it doesn't mean they're believers. Less than a third of Finns now say they believe in God. This historically Christian nation has not only left the faith, but has begun criminal investigations of Christians. This is a nation with a constitution that still tells the state church to proclaim a Bible-based Christian faith. So why is Finland investigating this member of parliament for proclaiming her Bible-based Christian faith? Paivi Rosinen is under two investigations for allegedly defaming or insulting homosexuals. The first after she shared a Bible verse on social media, aimed at Finland's Lutheran Church for promoting the homosexual lifestyle. In my tweet, I directly cited Romans first chapter and verses 24 to 27 and posted a picture. A passage which condemns homosexuality. Finland's attorney general has now opened a second investigation concerning a 24-page pamphlet that Paivi wrote 15 years ago about biblical Christian marriage, called Man and Woman, He Created Them. Biblical teaching that the Finnish constitution says it supports. So you thought that because of that, this this investigation wouldn't go anywhere, as we said. Yes, uh, yes, yes. I, yeah, I, I, I assumed. In fact, I, it was a surprise for me that there is even a police investigation about that case. I wouldn't have believed it. Leif Namala is editor of a Christian newspaper and a TV host in Finland. It was unbelievable. It was a real surprise. And uh, the first thought was, are we really, are they really going this far? The Lutheran pastor who published the pamphlet Paivi wrote on Christian marriage is also under investigation. Finnish Christian broadcaster, author and theologian Pazi Turunen says this has been a rude awakening for many Christians. Finnish Christians have lived in a very homogeneous Christian culture. It's been very easy because everybody thinks and believes the same way pretty much. And now this has become completely a new situation for us when our faith is challenged in a public square. Paivi says this all began in prayer when she felt led by the Lord to do something to wake up the National Church in Finland on the issue of homosexuality, but now fears this investigation will silence Christians. I'm afraid and I'm worried that this case, the criminal investigation, might frighten some Christians uh, to hide and to keep silent. It raises the, the threshold of saying anything 
in, in the public square. And in one way, I see that that's the purpose of this kind of attack, to put a high price tag on speaking your Christian mind out loud in, in the society. If convicted, Paivi could be fined or even imprisoned. And both Turinen and Namalas say support for her from Finland's evangelical leaders has been weak. We could easily have 200,000 Christians saying this is horrendous, stop persecuting Päivi Räsänen. And that would have a huge impact, but they are silent. I, I would wish that, that the evangelical leaders would be more outspoken and, and bold. Uh, otherwise, uh, there will come time when each one of us will be in front of the firing squad. Haivi says she's not afraid and believes God has a plan in this for Finland. I'm waiting what God is doing. <laughs> because when he raises up prayers, then we can know that he's doing something. Dale Hurd, CBN News, Helsinki. We need to pray for this courageous lady who is a legislator in the uh, nation of Finland. Paiavi is obviously a strong Christian woman who is sharing her Christian beliefs in what was a Christian nation, but now she is possibly facing criminal charges. And what is her crime? Believing in the Bible as it's written as God's Word. Reading from Romans chapter 1 and verse 22, through 25. Now, folks, I need you to understand something. This portion of the Bible could become illegal in this country. You say, oh, Chris, how could that happen? Well, it's happening to the north of us in Canada. It's happening in Western European nations. And uh, it's happening in some cities where there are people passing laws that are going to restrict religious uh, speech and religious practice. If they consider it to be hate speech, you don't want to be a hater, do you? Well, the thing about it is, folks, if you believe in the Bible and you believe that sin is sin and that, uh, you know, that needs to be repented of, there are people that do not believe in that, and they consider that to be hate speech. Reading, re reading from Romans chapter 1, verse 22, Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and change the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanliness, through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshipped and served the Creator more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change their natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemingly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding 
covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who, knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. This is Romans chapter 1. This is the New Testament. And this portion of Scripture, along with others, could be deemed by some to be illegal contraband in the future. Now, we look to Canada. They have passed laws favoring the LGBTQ lifestyle, the homosexual lifestyle. And in so doing, they have also restricted what they consider to be hate speech. And there are cases in Canada going through the courts about religious expression, religious speech, and even religious institutions of learning. So here from a few years ago, Trinity Western University, which is a Christian university, was having difficulties being able to practice as an educational center, and this case was also uh, documented in the Canadian courts. There were pastors who were brought up on charges on what was called hate speech, simply preaching from the Word of God, the Bible. Well, you say, that can't come here. It already is coming here. Here back in Ohio, we have House Bill 369, the LGBTQ Special Rights Bill. Go to the Ohio Christian Alliance website, ohioca.org. Skip on down and look at the urgent action alert. Call members of the House Civil Justice Committee that's chaired by Representative Steve Hambly of Medina, that's District 69. He already has had two hearings, and it is rumored that he's going to have a third hearing, another proponent testimony, uh, on this bill. Now, that means that this bill has never gone that far, to our knowledge, of the Ohio House, but yet under Republican control, under Steve Hambly, it has. And so you need to call... Uh, Chairman Hambly, you need to call members of that committee, and again, those links are at our website for that committee, and to tell them to vote no and to oppose House Bill 369, the so-called Fairness Act is what they call it, but it's actually an LGBTQ special rights bill, a SOGI bill, sexual orientation, gender identity, and it would be statewide if it was to pass. It has a Senate companion, Senate Bill 11. So when you're calling, don't just call your state representative. Also call your state senator and urge them not to support the special protections. We all have constitutional protections under the law for all people, and we believe that. We believe that all people are protected under our Constitution. There's no need for any special provisions here that would actually encroach upon the rights of you and me as religious believers. Well, on the other side, we're going to continue our candidate spotlight. State Representative Mark Romachuk, who's running for the state Senate, will tell us about his campaign and what he believes on the issues. We'll be right back after these messages. Don't go away. Hi, this is David Barton of Wall Builders. On Veterans Day, November 11, we salute all of our brave Ohio veterans and active duty military. 
Since 1776, our veterans have fought to keep America free and to liberate millions around the world from oppression, and they still do that today. But today, we see many Americans who refuse to honor our flag, who disrespect our founders, and they even want to remove Christian crosses from military cemeteries. To keep America free, we need to elect political leaders who share our patriotic values. To do that, veterans and their families and people of faith must be registered to vote. It's our duty to protect our God-given freedoms that our veterans bravely fought for. It's easy. Just go to MyOhioVote.com to register to vote. That's MyOhioVote.com. God bless you and God bless America. Paid for by the One Nation Under God Foundation, a tax-exempt committee. Please visit our website at www.oneundergod.us. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. And the soldiers who stormed the beaches of Normandy and the Allied liberation of Europe. On D-Day, all those warriors set out on their mission. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt led our nation in prayer. The D-Day Prayer Project is an effort to add FDR's D-Day Prayer in its entirety at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. This wonderful historical presidential prayer will be a lasting tribute to our World War II veterans. If you'd like to make a contribution towards the effort of adding this prayer to the memorial, go to the website at ddayprayerproject.org. That's ddayprayerproject.org. Okay, and we're back, and we're going to continue what we call our candidate spotlight. We're taking this opportunity to bring to you some of the candidates that are running uh, for office, and of course, the March primary is March 17th. That's coming up in a few weeks. Yesterday was the uh, voter registration deadline, uh, and of course, early voting begins today. So, if you're already registered, nothing to worry about. This was uh, obviously, if you needed to change your uh, voting registration, if you needed to update it, that kind of thing, you could still do that for the fall. Uh, but uh, before the primary. Uh, that deadline was yesterday, but we informed you all about that, so hopefully you were able to do that. And so those of us who are looking to vote in the March primary on the 17th, there's a number of interesting races in the primary. In the Ohio 22nd Senate District, uh, currently State Senator Larry Oboff, who is the Senate president, is termed out. So there is a competitive race for that uh, Senate seat, which takes in uh, the counties of uh, Richland County, Ashland County, Medina County. It's a district that stretches through that uh, area. And uh, with us on the phone is one of the candidates for that uh, Senate seat, and he is currently State Representative Mark Romachuk. And uh, we're going to hear from him as to what his views are uh, as he campaigns for the 22nd Senate District seat. Mark, welcome to the program. Good afternoon, Chris. Well, thank you, Mark, for joining us today. We appreciate you taking some time out. Um, you, you've you been making your way up and down the district. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, where your hometown is, and uh, what your background is. Well, Chris, I am. Um, I currently live in Ontario, Ohio, which is a suburb of Mansfield. And as you mentioned, I represent all of Richland County now in the Ohio House. Um I'm a private sector person. I own two manufacturing companies in in Ontario. Those are still in operation today. 
And I'm so blessed to have my wife who uh, oversees the operation while I'm in Columbus serving. So uh, my background is primarily private sector, primarily a businessman, and uh, I've had the great pleasure to serve in Columbus now for seven years. So I'm in my fourth and final term in the Ohio House. Well, uh, thank you. And I know that um, actually trades issues was one of the things that you worked on in the House. You're continuing to work on uh, a trades bill, which would help uh, Ohio's next generation of tradesmen actually find the type of training that they need in apprenticeship programs. Tell us a little bit about that, because I know that you've been working on that bill uh, to get it uh, launched here uh, soon. Tell us about that. Well, I tell you, Chris, uh, the workforce development is the defining issue of our day. What I mean by that is we've cut taxes for individuals and businesses. We've cut red tape for businesses. But the piece that we still struggle with a little bit is the workforce development piece. What that means is we have a lot of jobs going unfilled in Ohio and in Medina County, for example. Within a 20-mile radius of Medina City, there are roughly 30,000 job openings going unfilled. And would you believe that 40% of those job openings pay $50,000 or more with full benefits? So we haven't been able to fill the jobs that our policies have created. And one of the ways we're trying to do that, and there's several things we're working on, but one of the bills that I'm working on is a bill that would encourage businesses to do more apprenticeships, to, to train in the trades, as you mentioned, because it's many of those jobs going unfilled. So welding, machining, maintenance people, all those electrician, plumber, um, all those jobs, are there's many of them out there. They're good-paying jobs. They're career jobs. Uh, we just have to find a way to get people interested in those fields and fill those jobs. Well, that's right. I know that our governor is interested in that. Uh, you know, former uh, uh, state uh, treasurer Josh Mandel was talking about that. A number of people have been uh, talking about the need to train Ohio's next generational workforce. There's a great demand, as you just mentioned, uh, for electricians and plumbers and welders, uh, carpentry, uh, a number of the skills, machinists, of course. Uh, Ohio is big in machining uh, parts for the aircraft industry, and we're going to have a lot of guys retiring and nobody to fill their shoes. Tell us about that uh, demand. Well, that's right. Our workforce is aging, and we haven't been replacing them fast enough, so the pipeline is uh, somewhat empty. And it's been very difficult uh, for industry and for the trades to convince young people to go into that type of work. Um, so there is a strong effort out there to um, do more career exploration. So these kids, uh, young people, um, are um, exposed to the trades and and they understand that they've become very high-tech. Um, most of them uh, work, have work environments that are extremely clean, and the, these companies are very innovative, and they're on the cutting edge in many ways. Um, unfortunately, I think our young people still have this, this vision in their mind of dirty, uh, not high-tech, uh, and we, we're trying to change that, and we need the business community, frankly, to help us do that. Government 
likely won't solve this on its own. Uh, it really has to be a complete community effort. It has to be an effort by our business community. It has to be an effort by our schools uh, to, to uh, make sure everyone knows it's an option and it's, the college isn't for everybody. So I think it's slowly coming together. Um, I think it started coming together during the last administration under the Kasich administration. He knew that college wasn't for everybody, and um, we really passed a lot of legislation the last few years encouraging uh, career exploration so kids know what all their options are. We've really been pushing college for a number of years, and what it's actually happened is a lot of kids have gone to college. They've mounted college debt that is still with them today. Uh, a lot of them didn't realize the uh, actually... Uh, the thing in which they were going to college for. They, they didn't actually become that engineer. They didn't become that teacher. Uh, and maybe they just have a wasted degree in some field also uh, that uh, just they are paying on, but nothing realized as far as it didn't translate into a viable, uh, profitable uh, work uh, you know, uh, trade. And so we'd like to rescue the next group um, and actually some of these folks to retrain them for the, the uh, needs that's there currently, as you said, 30,000 job openings cur- currently. The economy's good, no doubt. And, uh, you know, B&W just made a big announcement here in Northeast Ohio where they got a billion-dollar uh, contract with uh, the, the Navy to uh, do some more uh, nuclear power um, uh, turbines for the Navy. So, you know, Things are beginning to turn around here in Northeast Ohio, but we need a workforce that's trained. Tell us about that. Exactly right. Uh, Again, it's the defining issue. Um, If we aren't able to fill these jobs, well, they'll eventually kind of go away. If they're not jobs that can be automated, then the businesses will move their operations someplace where they can find a workforce. So we want to make sure Ohio, we want to make sure Northeast Ohio, um, has the right workers for all these businesses because we don't want to lose them. Again, that's why it's become the defining issue of the day. Mm. Well, Mark, uh, the 22nd District, um, obviously it stretches between the three counties. Uh, Medina itself is a distinct county where it has three separate cities, Brunswick, Medina City itself, and Wadsworth. Uh, and that, that's kind of interesting. As you've been traveling the district, uh, tell us a little bit about your experience of getting to know the folks. Well, I've really uh, enjoyed meeting uh, new people, and in the end, it it feels to me like uh, the people of Medina County are very similar to the people of Richland and Ashland County. And, oh, by the way, it's it's the northern part of Holmes County as well uh, is part of that Senate District 22. But I've enjoyed meeting everybody. being having an industrial background of myself and owning two manufacturing companies, I've enjoyed meeting the manufacturers in Medina County. We all have the same issues. They're very similar. Of course, workforce is at the top of the list. But also the cost of health care is another one I've been working on uh, in Columbus. We're trying to lower the overall cost of which is kind of our families and with individuals that have uh, a single plan. Uh, and um, our businesses are struggling to, to, to provide good health care for their employees. So if we're of the cost of health care, 
I'm afraid that's also going to be uh, a, a situation that makes Ohio and our businesses less competitive with others around the world. And you know, Chris, we're not just competing against uh, Kentucky and Indiana and Michigan and other states. We're competing with the rest of the world, especially when it comes to manufacturing. That's why healthcare be corrected. That's why we have to get uh, a work. Uh, and one that fills all the job openings going unfilled. Uh, so there's a lot on the line. Um, and these, again, are good jobs that pay well, family-sustaining jobs where people can buy homes and cars, send their kids to uh, 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 college potentially or uh, post-secondary training of any kind. So th- there's a lot on the line. And, and when you look at some of our cities around the state, including some uh, in Richland County, for example. Our county seat is Mansfield. We lost an awful lot of industry over the last, uh, starting back in the 80s and 90s. We lost all of our industry or, or the large large uh, section of it, and it's it's decimated our city. And we're coming back now, but we've have to, we have to put an emphasis on uh, making things because that's how you create wealth. That's how you create strong families. That's how you create a strong state. You know, some of the uh, social issues, Mark, uh, you know, uh, pro-life. You supported the heartbeat bill when it came through the legislature this last uh, term? Oh, absolutely. I was always a co-sponsor of the heartbeat bill. I actually voted for it uh, four times. And, of course, the fourth time it finally got through the Senate and was signed by the governor. So I've always been a huge supporter of the heartbeat bill. I'm just, a, I'm just, I'm 100% pro-life. Uh, I've always been endorsed by uh, the Ohio pro-life organization and I will always be pro-life. You know, some of the things that have come up at the uh, state legislature recently, the governor is uh, talking about some red flag laws uh, or, um, you know, some type of, uh, if you want to call them gun restrictions, I'm not sure exactly how he's terming it, but there's caused alarm in the Second Amendment community. Uh, you know, uh, there's people who obviously are strong Second Amendment supporters, but they're concerned about the governor's proposals. Do you have an opinion on that? Oh, absolutely. Uh, first of all, uh, I'm a strong Second Amendment supporter. I am uh, supported by the Buckeye Firearms Association. I have an A with the NRA. Um, I have a 100% voting record with, with regard to the Second Amendment. I am against any controls or restrictions on gun rights, and that includes red flag laws. It's simple as that. I don't think the legislature is going to pass the red flag laws. I think there's way too, many, too much resistance to that. I know I'm a no, and I know many of my colleagues are no's as well. You know, the uh, some of the concerns we hear come up about the due process. With red flag laws, you actually suspend actual due process. I mean, uh, talking to some of the judges uh, already, if there is a concern of an individual that's in his court on a restraining order or uh, maybe a, a mental issue or, uh, some, or uh, some crime that was committed uh, that uh, was stress-related, that kind of thing, or an assault charge, the judge already has the ability to uh, to actually confiscate uh, firearms if uh, temporarily, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, if, if if this person is deemed to be a a, a person a harm to themselves or the community, 
But this is different, what's being proposed. We're talking about somebody just reporting somebody, like a doctor or a neighbor uh, or somebody like this, uh, reporting someone, and without due process, uh, actually, you know, the red flag law would be applied. Is that what uh, you're hearing is what the proposal is? Yeah, I, I think they've tried to build in some due process, but it's still a system that will be open to false accusations. And even if you do have uh, some sort of due process, the fact that somebody can falsely accuse you and maybe ultimately through a, some sort of due process you get found innocent and you keep uh, your weapons, uh, think of what a person has to go through uh, to do that. Uh, they probably have to hire a lawyer. They have to spend time uh, fighting it. And it's just not fair when you have a system like that that can um, uh, allow you to be falsely accused. So the other part of this that commonly doesn't get talked about, Chris, is there's an under if there's an underlying problem here, let's fix it. In many cases, you people say that it's a mental illness problem, and that's where the focus should be, on the mental illness, not on the shiny object, whether it be a handgun, a car, a knife, a baseball bat, a hammer, the list goes on and on. So that's very common sometimes in legislatures. Our focus isn't on the root cause. It's on something else that's very politically uh, expedient. Um, I would suggest we need to focus on mental health. And in fact, in many cases, we have the funding for mental health uh, treatment and prevention of um, these things that happen uh, with a mentally ill person has been high on the list in the legislature. We've passed all kinds of legislation and we've funded a lot of programs to deal with mental health, including in our school system. We just passed roughly $600 million in the last budget that will be applied to schools so kids can get the help that they need. So, again, we have to focus on the root cause and stop focusing on uh, something like a shiny metal object that really has nothing to do with the situation. Well, hopefully that's some of the discussions that could be had. Uh, we've talked to some judges. I talked to uh, Judge Grindel, who has a juvenile court uh, issues. A lot of times he says, cases come before my bench and the only option I have is to put somebody in jail uh, rather than to refer them to where they need um, you know, counseling services. He said there's just not many choices for the judges and I think that maybe that's something we can look to to deal with the mental uh, health issue in regard to this. I agree with you, Representative, because we certainly don't want to see a diminishment of our Second Amendment rights and I think that is, uh, you know, a very strong feeling throughout Ohio. Uh, we're talking with State Representative uh, Mark Romachuk. He is a candidate for the 22nd Senate District, and the March primary is March 17th. That's Super Tuesday, and it's approaching quickly. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back on the other side with some closing comments. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. And the soldiers who stormed the beaches of Normandy and the Allied liberation of Europe, on D-Day, all those warriors set out on their mission 
President Franklin Delano Roosevelt led our nation in prayer. The D-Day Prayer Project is an effort to add FDR's D-Day Prayer in its entirety at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. This wonderful historical presidential prayer will be a lasting tribute to our World War II veterans. If you'd like to make a contribution towards the effort of adding this prayer to the memorial, go to the website at ddayprayerproject.org. That's ddayprayerproject.org. And we're on the phone with uh, Mark Romachuk. He is a candidate for the State Senate District 22, which takes in Medina County. Ashland County and Richland County. Uh, he will be on, the, excuse me, the March primary ballot of March 17th, and uh, that's approaching quickly. Uh, Mark, tell us a little bit more about uh, your campaign running for the Senate District. Well, first and foremost, we have to keep this economy going. Um, we have to continue to cut taxes when we can and keep them extremely low. We've already aggressively uh, started to attack the red tape, the regulation that holds businesses back. And when you hold businesses back, they stop investing, they stop hiring, uh, and and we lose ground uh, to the rest of the world. So uh, we're we're aggressively cutting red tape. We put something in place just about six months ago uh, that will require for every new rule or regulation, two must come out. And uh, so we'll have to oversee that, make sure the bureaucracy actually follows through with that, which I believe they're uh, not happy about and they're fighting to some extent. So that's important. And then this workforce development piece has to be a high priority in the legislature to try and fill these jobs that our policies have created uh, that are going unfilled. Uh, in addition to that, I want to help uh, lower the cost of health care. Um, one way of doing that is something called price transparency, which uh, uh, would require hospitals and other health care providers to publish their pricing. So people can actually act like consumers when they go and consume health care. Um, we think that's important. Um, we want consumers to ask about pricing in advance, and we're not talking about emergency situations, but uh, with more routine things. Uh, ask for the pricing and then com- not only compare pricing with other providers, but also uh, compare quality. It's no different than when you buy a car or appliance. You're trying to get the best value there is, and that's both price and quality. Well, thank you, Mark, for being our guest today on today's Candidate Spotlight. Again, uh, Mark is a uh, candidate for the 22nd Senate District race. Tell us where folks can learn more about your campaign. What's your website? Well, my website is markromanchuk.com, and on that website, I have an email address. Uh, People are welcome to email me, and I will get back to them and answer any questions that isn't answered um, on the website. And one more thing I can tell you, Chris, that the Senate's considered the upper chamber, and the Senate's considered to or expected to have uh, experienced legislators there, so... I'm finishing uh, my last term in the House, and I have that experience as a legislator and know how to get things done uh, where uh, that's really a big requirement for the Senate. So um, I'm hoping that uh, people hearing my voice will support me, and um, I look forward to serving the 22nd District. Well, thank you, Mark, for being our guest today. We appreciate it very much. Again, that's Mark Romanchuk. 
He is a candidate for the 22nd Senate District and the March primary. Uh, he'll be on the ballot, and that is March 17th. Well, if you've missed any of today's program, you can hear it in its entirety at our website at ohioca.org, or just Google the Ohio Christian Alliance. Of course, you'd like to follow the court case that we have currently on voter rights. That's a case uh, involving a referendum issue in the city of Medina, and we've had to take that to the state Supreme Court to actually advocate on the rights of uh, the voters of the city of Medina. You can follow you can follow that uh, case also on our website at ohioca.org, and all the information is posted there. There is also links to the full case as it was submitted to the state Supreme Court, uh, and uh, in just a few weeks we'll be hearing more about that, so you'll want to track that on our website as well. The Ohio Christian Alliance will also provide uh, some limited information on the primary election, uh, we do survey the candidates running for Congress, running for the Ohio House, the Ohio Senate. We send out a full survey, uh, and then we publish the results. If you see that a candidate did not respond, it's because uh, they chose not to answer the questions on the Ohio Christian Alliance candidate survey. Uh, but those who did will be posted online at ohioca.org. We'll also have other helpful information there as well. And as we mentioned earlier, that the uh, voting registration, if you need to update it, it's too late for the primary, but you can for the general election. And that link is always on our website, again, uh, for voter registration as well. In fact, there's a way in which you can do it online to the Secretary of State's website. Uh, and that link is through our website as well. So we're going to have a number of guests that will uh, be on the program as we move through the year 2020, as this is the presidential election year, and we will have a number of candidates, some running for state office, some running for Congress, uh, and uh, we hope to have a number of topics that we'll be tackling. If you have a suggestion for a, co a topic that you would like us to cover, uh, please let us know that as well. Uh, you can phone us at 330-887-1922, and uh, you can leave a message with our staff at, or on the phone and let us know what topic you would like us to cover. Again, if you missed any of the programs that we dealt with with educational choice vouchers, that's also on our website. I was talking to some people today that we're thankful about the information that we provided through the Buckeye Institute with Greg Lawson last week. So that was very helpful as well to get a handle on educational choice vouchers. The legislature is still working on that, wrangling out the details between the two chambers, and uh, we should know something here shortly as uh, what will be the way forward for educational choice vouchers for Ohio uh, in the next term. Well, thanks for listening today. Again, uh, you can tune in each weekday at the same hour at the same time to hear News and Focus. Thank you for listening. You have been listening to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. To learn more about the issues that matter most to you and your family, visit online at ohioca.org. That's ohioca.org. Thank you for listening. This program is sponsored by the Ohio Christian Alliance of Akron, Ohio.